That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester City kicked things off this weekend as the reigning champs won 3-1 over Bournemouth with Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, and Gundogan adding to their yearly tallies. Manchester United came back to grab a draw at Southampton after trailing by two goals at St. Mary's. After the match, Southampton fired Marcuse, which we've been saying was coming, so uh, credit for us on that one. Chelsea started off Derby Sunday by confirming that West London is indeed blue. Chelsea won 2-0 over local rivals Fulham, with Pedro and Ruben Loftus-Cheek getting on the score sheet. Arsenal won 4-2 in a goal fiesta of a North London derby Roses against Tottenham. Violets are blue. Arsenal 4, Tottenham 2. The Gunners were down 2-1 at halftime, but Emery's men were again able to flourish in the second half. Aubameyang equalized in the 56th minute. Lacazette was able to grab the winner in the 74th. And Lucas Torreira cemented that North London is red just two minutes late, two minutes and 45 seconds later. And the last big game on the slate for the weekend was the Merseyside derby, which was a very contentious affair. Everton had a chance... <clears throat> Everton had a chance booted off the goal line by Joe Gomez and Jordan Pickford was having quite a day in goal until the fifth minute of extra time when he failed to properly handle a looping ball from Virgil van Dijk and Divock Origi. Yes, that Divock Origi was able to head home the winner and give the Reds all three points. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. My name's Andrew Passaro in here with my fellow winners of Derby Sunday, Alex Moss and Javier Revelo. How are we doing, boys? Home team's undefeated. Home teams undefeated. Absolutely fantastic. Fully ready for this pod. Just yeah, it's good to be back. Let me just say, uh, thank you guys for uh, for steering the ship, not burning the house down over the last couple of days. I uh, really appreciate that. We did have uh, we had a few missteps, but uh, we, uh, we 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 righted the ship and got on with it, including Javier delivering an entire monologue while he had himself on mute. <laughs> you hate to see so that. then we had you to go really back and have him do that. the whole thing again. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then I had to like I rethink my thoughts and like, you know, like put them again, like, you know, rethink of them a I little mean, bit better. Alex, that's not as bad as the lost episodes that we have. Like there's a couple like really lost episodes. The one where you say that really racist thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that one got lost. Yeah. I don't remember this, but I mean, there's two and a half years of pods I mean, we'll and never I'm pretty know. sure it didn't happen. We'll never know. They will never know. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. Uh, obviously, the the weekend was started bright and early, um, seven o'clock in the morning, and there was no shot that I was up for uh, for that. Oh, actually, the, week, the weekend started on Friday with Cardiff City getting a shock two one win over Wolves, and then Crystal Palace kicks things off on Saturday with a two 0 victory over Burnley. Huddersfield lost to Brighton two one. Leicester beat Watford two 0 and then we get to Manchester City's three one victory over Bournemouth, which Alex got correct. Um, who wants to take the lead? Talking about the uh, reigning champions and their victory over. Bournemouth I don't want to talk about the reigning champions I want to talk about Bournemouth because we said on the preview how a 3-1 going away to Man City is actually kind of an impressive result for a road team now and Bournemouth were like pretty impressive in this one obviously City didn't have Sergio Aguero with like a slight hamstring injury or something like that no De Bruyne no David Silva obviously they plug and play uh, all over the all over the pitch Gabriel Jesus Sterling and Sané making up the front line they obviously 
scored a few, uh, scored, got some goals themselves. But this game was in the balance until Sterling took uh, helped City take the lead in the 53rd minute, and Gundogan wrapped it up. Bournemouth were able to pretty much break through City's press, maybe not consistently, but more consistently than any team outside the top six that I've seen this season. So just to see Bournemouth go go away from home, play defensively, and be like pretty solid, and honestly make like a pretty good account of themselves was kind of like a pretty it was a pretty impressive uh, step forward for Bournemouth. Javier, what do you think of uh, City in this one? I mean, I thought that for not being full strength, like you said, I mean, Bournemouth did well to keep it close, but I thought in the second half, City, I mean, as soon as they made a couple changes, they just took over. And I mean, this team has so much depth and so much, even with a few injuries, they can just, you know, bring on one of their many talents that they have on the bench. And whether it's defensively or offensively, they can make changes to shore up a game. And I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to beat this Manchester City team. I don't know if they're going to lose this season. It's it's kind of horrifying. And like you said, for Bournemouth, I mean, they still have a chance of sixth six place. Uh, United and Everton, I mean, they're not exactly setting the world alight this season. And I think that sixth place spot is, is kind of open. And I think that this Bournemouth team is good enough to push for it, which would be really, really good for, for Eddie Howe. I agree. I think that's the type of uh, getting Bournemouth into sixth place is pretty much the most that we could ever see how do over with a Bournemouth side. Uh, after that, you're talking about maybe him making a jump to a Manchester United, maybe taking a job outside of the country, maybe even taking the England position, depending on what's what with England at the time. Cal- but, Callum Wilson, I think that's his eighth or eighth goal this season, something like that. I mean, yeah, we've been talking about it. Year. I mean, he's he's stayed healthy. If he can stay healthy this year, maybe maybe he's gonna. Maybe he'll hit 20 goals. Who knows? I mean, this is what this is what we've saw glimpses of the last couple of seasons. So let's hope this guy stays healthy. He's getting links to Chelsea, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> I wouldn't feel great about that, to be honest. I just, I just health wise, he, he'd I don't be there like with it. your drink waters and bakayokos, Alex. Yeah, yeah, nice little, n- pay nice, your, nice pay little English. Con- I mean, he'd be the English contingent at at Chelsea, which you know, yeah. quote unquote, every team needs more of. You'd but, have Barkley, I mean, drink water, Wilson. Great starting lineup. Loftus Cheek, Hudson Adoy, just a full uh, English lineup. And then to to conclude the 10 o'clock slate, we also saw West Ham drub uh, Newcastle 3 0. Um, And then we got to the uh, probably the most important fixture of the Saturday uh, Saturday slate, which was Southampton 2, Manchester United 2, for a brief 20-minute period, for for 20 minutes, or for, for 33 minutes, actually. Southampton was. Winning two 0 over Manchester United, and I was having a great time on rampant, Twitter about it. Just, it looked like they could beat them three or four nil. It was like it was awesome. Yeah, it, it looks great. great. It was awesome. But you knew uh, something was gonna happen. Like you knew Southampton weren't gonna be able to hold that lead. Exactly. I saw something like you you put this stat in our group chat that like Southampton have like failed to like have failed so many times on. Yeah, it, it's something like in in fifteen games that they've had the lead out of Mark Hughes's fifty three. They've ended up losing or drawing from winning positions, which is there's, there's just no way he, he had fifty three games in charge there. I think yeah, he there's not. That's not possible. I think there's he had, no maybe way was, he had fifty three. I That's, think he had fifty three games in charge. No, he was hired back in like January or something. Like, um, there's, there's not that many games. Oh, maybe it's <laughs> uh, maybe it's Southampton between this and last season, something like that. But they've they've dropped points from winning positions more than any other team, and it's not even close. So. It's no surprise Mark Hughes got the sack. Alex had his uh, his little hat on last week, thinking that this might be the next one. And I mean, I'm I'm notorious for that. 
he I was take ax- out my next victim and then they they go. He you was know, once you get the quick. Alex kiss of death, you you know, start packing up the house now and getting ready for your next move. Because normally, if you're Alex, you're trying to make out with next. Now, if, if I this- was thinking about that before we came on the pod, and actually, you know, I'll save it for later because because uh, we've got too much to get through. But uh, um, I actually thought that. For any other, like if, if they had fired Mark Hughes right before this game and the new Southampton manager had gotten this result, you might not have looked at it too badly. It's the manner in which they, they, it's they threw just, the lead exactly. away. Just being up to no, I, I at think home. it's just for the banter. I think it's just for the banter. I saw a great tweet today that, that Southampton fired Mark Hughes because he failed to beat Manchester, uh, to Minnow's Manchester. Ah! <clears throat> I saw a great tweet today that said Mark Hughes failed to beat. I saw a great rumor today that, god damn it, I fucking hate this shit. I am so cold. You can honestly just keep this in. Don't edit it out because, like, this is what happens when I take a week off the pod to go oh, to a hockey no. game. Like, this is, this is, this, I lose my steam. Right now. Um, yeah, so great tweet on the internet. Twitter remains undefeated. Southampton fire manager Mark Hughes for failing to beat Minnows Manchester United. I got a huge chuckle out of that. So I feel like I've seen like five different variations of that same joke in the last like two or three days. I mean, I well, laugh got, every time. Well, you got to do it. You got to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this, United, they were winning titles. They won something like, what, 17 under Ferguson? 14? You, 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 13, 13. 13. All right. You, 13 and 26 years. You got to... You got to give them shit now while you can. You know, they'll be oh, ba- yeah. they'll be back at some point and we, while they're down, you got to kick them as hard as possible, you know. Of course. You just got to keep kicking the shit out of them while they're down, so cuz we, we we don't we don't know how much time more longer we'll have of this. Can we talk about United's uh injury well, 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 crisis? P- should we put on our hat again? Well, nah, we'll hat? save that for later. We'll save that. Okay, let's we'll let's save talk about yeah, United's right. injury problem right now, Alex. Okay, so United start this game with basically one recognized center back in the lineup. And that one recognized center back was Phil Jones. So that sets the sets the table for an awful defensive performance. They had uh, Matic filling in there sometimes. They had McTominay playing there sometimes. The, the whole midfield was a complete mess. And Mourinho basically just called out Pogba after the game, just saying we gave the ball away in midfield far too many times when we were looking to break on the counterattack. Because you saw once they got like Rashford and, uh, and Lukaku into forward positions... Southampton were just willing and just ready to like lie down and spread their legs for anything that the attackers wanted to do to them. And like Rashford, Rashford started the first 20 minutes as like the worst player on the field and then turned around and created both goals for United. That's just how it's you can't get discouraged playing against the Southampton defense because as good as they can look going forward at some points of the game, like Javier said with them throwing away the leads so much. They just they it's not even difficult to come back and like come back and get a result from them. Like United should be very disappointed with a 2-2 draw because it was 2-2 at halftime. It's not like they nicked it in the 90th minute were able to get out of there with a point on the road. The game was perfectly poised for the second half, bring on a bit more quality uh, and try and go for it. But United it looked like Southampton were the team that were more likely to win it going into the final like 20 30 minutes of the game. So bad bad takeaways for both teams here. Thank God we just got out of it with Mark Hughes out of the job. The statistic was Mark Hughes's two teams like I guess from last season and then through this season. Stoke City. Yeah, so b- with between Stoke and Southampton last year, his teams were leading 15 times and gave up the lead in 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 those games and ended up Every yeah. single one. No, I'm saying out of out of those in those 53 games that he had in he was in charge of 53 games between I guess Stoke and Southampton uh, between last season and this season, and they were ahead of those games 15 times and gave up the lead and lost or drew. 
That is, makes yeah. sense. I mean, which is, which he's, is the first manager, he's the first Absol- manager which, to get fired like, twice he knows how to attack, in a calendar but, year. I mean, the guy just doesn't give a shit about defending, right? Like, that's what he's that the means. First, <laughs> he's the first manager to get fired twice in a calendar year at a Premier League job. That's Ugh. the first time it's happened. That's so and like, we, That's atrocious. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen to one of those those coaches that's always on the carousel, and Mark Hughes is always on that carousel, of your Sam Allardyce's, your... Uh, your David Moyes <clears> now. Exactly, David Moyes is on that list. Steve uh, Bruce used to be on there a lot. He's Steve Bruce off. is a big one. Um, oh God, Paul Lambert. He did the, Lambert, who who did the dance? Who also coached at West Ham and oh. Crystal Palace? I think um, Roy Hodgson is still like Roy Hodgson's on the list. Yeah. Alan, Alan Pardew's on the list. And and yet, like you could throw all these like guys Brendan do Rogers, the same Martin thing. O'Neill. You could throw all you those can't, guys. You can't in put Rodgers on the list yet. Rodgers only coached the two clubs in the Premier League, and now he'll he's probably Celtic. Be, he'll be back. He'll be back. Oh, he'll be back. But like, he's not on the list. He's not. He's not yet. Close to not the yet. List but yet. I'm I'm no. guessing within like a few years, he might bounce around at a few more clubs, and then then we'll have to throw him on there. All right, but let's turn this conversation around. Alex, are you ready to start making out with Mourinho? Wait, what? What do you mean by making out? I mean, are you, are you ready to like give him the, the kiss, kiss of death? This is two he's, big he's, draws. He's the glaring one because you look up and down the rest of the table and there's not many choices. Watford are the obvious pick, but they just signed Javi Gracia to a new contract. There's no a way few, they're firing like a week him this year. He, they don't no, have to no, pay him like $10 million or something. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that uh, they're normally the team I would look at because they fire their manager like every six to right. 12 months. Uh, but obviously just gave their manager that new contract. The rest of the bottom three, Burnley, I don't see Burnley even firing Sean Dyche if they got relegated. They'd probably keep him just like they did last time. Yeah, he's their Huddersfield, hero. Huddersfield, the same applies to them. Same with, with Wagner. Wagner, they're not firing him. Cardiff City, the same applies to them yeah, with they're Neil not, Warnock. they're not firing Warnock. Palace and Newcastle. Palace, maybe you could see, but not really. And the rest of the teams, I don't really... It would take an absolutely catastrophic drop-off like at Leicester City for someone like Claude Puel to be fired. He's, he's one that gets brought up every now and then. But after what they've gone through this year, I'm sure they'll just be rooting for uh, stability. And they've got enough talent that they probably won't have that big of a drop-off. So I'd have to say the kiss of death. I don't want to deliver it too early because I don't know exactly when United would uh, fire Mourinho. But if you look down up and down the list, he's the obvious one. And uh, I remember, you guys did say it was going to happen before Christmas. I said I thought it would happen after. It. Okay. So All right. I, I feel like we need to check the tapes on that one. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I thought it was. I thought he'd last past Christmas. You guys both thought that he would be. Uh, he'd be fired before. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. <laughs> so Javier, say they get absolutely like pasted by you guys on Wednesday. You don't think he gets fired for losing like three nil at home to Arsenal or something? If, if they, they lose three nil at home, he will be fired the next yes. day. I mean, he lost 3-0 at home to Tottenham earlier this season, and he wasn't fired. Yeah, but, like, we never beat them at Old Trafford. So if we beat them, like, resoundingly, that would just be, like, the the players aren't playing for him at all. Honestly, if they lose 3-0 to Arsenal, he might just die. Yeah, he might die. He might die. He, I don't think he'd be able to. Well, take no, because it. it's not Wenger. He wouldn't. Right. He would die if it was Wenger. Right. No. I don't think he likes Unai Emery either, though. I think they didn't get along when, like, when uh, Unai was at, um, I think it was Valencia and. Uh, he was at Madrid. Mourinho was at Real Madrid, yeah. All right, let's jump over to Sunday. Full slate of derbies, which I'm not going to lie, I really kind of liked. Like, the Premier League should do this on a more regular basis because this was great. Yeah, All, great Sunday. Such a good Sunday right. of football. Hand up. Didn't watch the Chelsea game. Wasn't It was too early. Uh, um, yeah, hand up. Hand up. Was That wasn't happening. Also, we all knew that Chelsea were going to win that game. It's right, fucking exactly. Right. Like, yeah, I don't say. fault you. I watched it sleeping. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I need I needed to sleep. I slept uh, too, actually. Yeah, I didn't really watch <laughs> it. I was just guilt tripping you. I mean, I had it on, but I was really sleeping. Hand up most weekends if Liverpool's not playing the seven o'clock or the nine o'clock game. I'm probably not awake watching it. Like like you you we see know that me Andrew. When, it's been a running yeah. joke on this show for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much pretty much since like the show was started in my parents' basement. Uh, I have been waking up for seven o'clock games. Um, but Alex, let's talk about the Blues who get their first victory over a in a derby win in a very long time, mainly because their derby opponent hasn't been there to have a derby. I mean, I'll give the abridged version. Fulham tried a pretty similar, actually an exact replica of the tactic that Tottenham tried the previous week, playing like a diamond midfield and having the top of that diamond try to press Jorginho. But obviously Fulham aren't as good as Tottenham. Kind of worked, but kind of not. They had to give it up after like 35 minutes or something like that. They switched to a a 4-4-1-1 and they actually started to have a lot more chances themselves. We were kind of... Uh, choking them out of the game. I mean, and yeah, the game was close until the 82nd minute. We were just we were just wasteful. It's like a, a similar thing that we've struggled with a lot of this season. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a good win. Nice to see Loftus Cheek get on and get a goal. He's going to have a big chance in this Wolves game to really solidify his place because Kovacic of late has not been that great, to be honest. You don't think Barkley gets a shot? Uh, maybe he might get the shot, but uh, Loftus Cheek has only gotten like thirty Loftus minutes Sheik in the is, Premier League this season. He's the informed midfielder for us right now. Play obviously got the goal was really good. Uh, he's he's had thirty Fulham minutes game. in the Premier League this season. No, he's had more than that. No, he hasn't. I looked it. I looked it up earlier today, and I was looking he had like, at like a twenty minutes. minute cameo earlier against like right. Bournemouth. He's, he's had he's had he's only had like eight to ten minute cameos, like all barely anything. Which is he hasn't had a start yet. Which is what I'm what, trying to what say. I'm talking about is he's the informed like attacking midfielder for us uh, right now. Basically, based off the uh, off of the, the cup game where he scored a brace. The well, no, not the Europa League game. Uh, that the hat trick game. I'm talking about this past week at home. He was one of the best midfielders on the field with Barkley, and then uh, came on for the last 20, 30 minutes and helped not only score that second goal that put the Fulham game to bed, but helped in the build up for that. And that's that second goal is like ideally what I want what I want to be seeing from Sarri's Chelsea over and over again. The little quick combinations between Pedro Hazard and uh, whatever attacking midfielder is there. That's that's going to be our bread and butter this season. So, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to really dig into Chelsea wise here. So let's let's jump over to, I guess, I mean, this was the biggest game of the weekend. We all knew this going in, even with all the other derbies. We knew that Spurs Arsenal was the big one. This is the first Unai Emery versus Mauricio Pochettino matchup. And the in game the moved League, up. They played a bunch of times yes. in Spain. Yes. I mean, that, that you know, that, come on, like. Hey, Espanol Valencia, you know. For, for, for all extents, it's perfect. You didn't watch Espanol Valencia? Back in your no. day? Come on, man. Hand up. Hand up. Didn't watch that. Never <laughs> never happened. Never never happened. Um, but yeah, let's jump over to, to the North London Derby, which was a great game. Lots to talk about. Javier, I know you want to gush about your Gunners who finally find themselves back in a Champions League spot, which feels like the first time in a long time. So uh, I'm going to give you a platform and let you say a bunch of stuff that Alex and I will then tear you down for. So go ahead. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you could possibly tear me down. I'll destroy anything you have to say. But moving on from that ridiculous statement you just said, um, uh, Arsenal were, I mean, this was definitely our, our best game of the season. I thought, uh, I thought every was, game is your best game of the season. Just want to like over the last like this was like, the couple, only first game months. I'm going to say we played well. I was a little bit concerned when we started with the five at the back, at, like right before kickoff. But the first five minutes really calmed me down because 
Um, last week when we were playing against Bournemouth, we looked super uncomfortable in the first like 30 minutes playing in the in the in the three four three again, and it took us till like the second half to like readjust. And even even in the second half, like Bournemouth still played better than us. We got really lucky to to get that win. So I was a little bit worried coming into this that you know maybe we wouldn't adjust that well. Tottenham could catch us in the the first half, which they kind of did. I mean, those first 30 minutes, we played really well, and we definitely should have scored more than a goal. We had we had that penalty off of uh, the Vertonghen handball, which is completely bizarre. Like I don't know why his hand was just flopping in the air there, but obviously I was happy that happened. And we had a bunch of chances that, um, you know, Lloris made a couple saves. We missed a few chances. And, and then the inevitable Tottenham goal came when, um, you know, we started to lose a bit, little bit of luck. Uh, a little bit of our shine that we had those first 20 minutes and then Tottenham kind of got back in the game and um you know a uh, a free a free kick that never existed ended up going to Dyer huh why did it never exist it wasn't a foul also oh, Dyer I don't remember Dyer, I don't remember it well enough Dyer put okay. in a two-footed tackle right before that that was clearly a foul and the ref didn't far, call it. How far back do you want to go? No, no, in it was the, right in the second the play. minute. Did they do, do something that uh, hurt you? <laughs> okay, I mean, it doesn't matter. We ended up winning, but all you know, I'm, I'm basically saying the Tottenham's goals were irrelevant. They shouldn't have happened, but they did, and and that's what the one part of our game that we're going to have to fix. We can't just we can't allow these first half um, collapses that we seem to have, where we'll just give up like three or four chances or give up a penalty, which we've given up quite a few this year. But then at halftime, um, you know, we're down 2-1. Unai Emery's done this all year long, just makes two changes at halftime. Brings off two players who, look, they weren't playing particularly badly. It will be in Mkhitaryan, but they didn't exactly light the world on fire. And, you know, bringing on Ramsey and Lacazette just completely changed the dimension of the team and gave us, you know, way more attacking threat. And then I thought in the second half, I mean... It was it was just one way traffic, right? Like there was nothing that Tottenham could do. Um, we were fully flowing in the three four three, and and we didn't we never played that that well attacking wise in the three four three last year. We played the three four three for almost half of last year, and there were at times where we looked you know pretty good in it defensively, but attacking wise we looked really really good. And I thought Tottenham suffered this week from having that Sissoko Dyer midfield. Um, I think that. They didn't really get punished uh, by Chelsea by having that midfield, but I thought that Lucas Torreira was a monster. He was able to, you know, he got his first Premier League goal. He was just tackling left and right, um, you know, pressuring their midfielders. Uh, definitely man of the match. Deli Ali, Deli Ali in the uh, in the second half had six passes. Four of them were off of the kickoff. So he had Jeez. so they kicked off in the first half, right? And then we scored three goals. Deli Ali had only two more passes the entire half. He only touched the ball two more times. That's that's pretty insane. <laughs> um, so I, who, I, who was man of the match for you, Torreira or Oh, absolutely Torreira. But I had to. It's close second. Obamian obviously, with two Obamian. goals and the assist for Torreira's right. goal. Right, a beautiful assist too. Just the little, second Aubameyang goal. Right, it was so nice. Jesus, I know, but I, I have to the, give it to Torreira. He got his like, he got his first time finesse. He, he, you know, he made it safe, and he was just—he was just—he was just a monster all game. I mean, look, I, I said this to you in chat, or and you know, just over text, Alex, that I think Lucas Torreira has a, had a similar impact to Arsenal than Ingolo Conte did for Leicester in his first season, defensively, just giving us a crazy amount of energy and um, 
you know, defensive solidity to our back line, as well as, you know, the transitional play. I think that's the biggest difference between what we didn't have last year and now we have is someone who can bring the ball up the field and who can do a super quick release pass to one of our forwards or one of our wingers or, or, or our wingbacks to get the ball moving up the field quickly. Under Wenger, I feel like the buildup was too slow. Under Unai Emery, we're so much more direct. The players seem to have learned to be more direct and just pass the ball directly to the feet and then shoot. Whereas like under Wenger, we always had to try and score the perfect goal. We're still scoring nice goals, but it seems like under Emery, we finally found a way to, you know, a different a different offensive identity, which I'm really happy. I think now we just need to find our, our defensive identity as well. So I think that's that's where more work needs to be done for Arsenal and... You know, hopefully. Well, it's defensive. It's defensive work, and it's additionally, it's finding your boots in the first half. Because one of these games is it's gonna come like, it didn't bite you this Saturday, but or this Sunday, but it's gonna bite you one week, or it's bitten you plenty of times in the past. That, that's I've said this about Emery. Like, I like the way stylistically you guys are playing. You guys look a lot better. Things I'm starting to get more and more worried about this Arsenal team every single weekend. But I know that they're beatable in the first half, and that's got to be fixed sooner rather than later. The Tottenham side of this I thought was pretty interesting. They played the exact same lineup they played against Chelsea last weekend. And my first reaction to it was kind of like, why? Because the, the Chelsea game plan seemed kind of like detailed, like very specifically to shutting us down and specifically Jorginho down. But with Arsenal playing like a 3-4-3 and only two in midfield, I was kind of thinking like, who are, who are they looking to shut down in that instance? Like, uh, they would, they would, uh, there wasn't, there's not like a single player in our. They kind of tried to shut down Torreira, like they were pressuring him on the ball. But dude, that guy's a, he's a terrier. It's really hard to take the ball off him. I mean, well, you guys also don't like, ro- like run all of your play through him like we do. Like it's much more right. spread around you guys. True. Like that's true. It, we have Jaka as well. Both of them can be the pivot, right? Both of them can play and switch between each other as being the the last defender or the defender or the player who has to play the, that ball in transition. So, like, the most intriguing thing to me when I saw both these lineups was Arsenal's was very clearly, like, focused on getting the ball wide with pace and then getting balls in behind from wide areas on the counterattack. But I was kind of thinking, like, oh, maybe Tottenham are looking to, like, sit deep defensively and try and uh, block up the middle of the field. Like, which which one of those is going to win out? The team that's, like, centered their, their whole game plan through the middle or the team that centered their game plan out wide? Obviously, it was Arsenal, but with the way Tottenham played last week, I, I wasn't quite ready to say, oh, they're going to fall apart. And even when they went up 2-0 or 2-1, I was thinking, okay, maybe if this is the Tottenham that they've been trying to tell us that they are, where they're, they're a serious team uh, in the Premier League this I can't year. believe they shushed the crowd after going up 2-1. Like, calm down, guys. They shushed the crowd when they tied it up. Eric yeah, Dyer let, let me, off the, we put them the, back the, in their the place shortly after that. But I thought if this is like the Tottenham that they say they are, then they should get at least a draw out of this. Maybe hold on, get a 2-2 and get out of there with a point. Like away at Arsenal, that's not a terrible result. But to completely capitulate like that, that one showed me like a, a, a lot of the old Tottenham is still there. And uh, Pochettino's like reluctance to make changes around yeah, they got the same super time. Super salty in the second half too, like they do sometimes when they're losing. That yeah. like immaturity and like where they were like a bunch of their players were just going in like two footed and like Vertonghen had he had a second yellow, but that could have easily been like a straight red, like just like like the and uh, Deli Ali, like a few of their other players were just be, like I mean just. You know, being, I mean, that, that's par for the course. They do that in every top six game. They're a bunch of see you next Tuesdays, as we like to say. Eric um, Dyer, Ugh, I just hate. I hate them all. I'm so happy we just, we crush them. Put, but the part, the up. second part of what I was going to say is that Tottenham are still the old Tottenham. It seems like they still have a bit of that DNA. But then yeah. 
this is very clearly a new Arsenal, which isn't like a newsflash, but we'd only seen glimpses of it, like the Liverpool home game a few weeks ago. Everyone was kind of commenting like, oh, wow, there's like an atmosphere at the Emirates again. People are actually excited about this team and and, and much more behind them and believe in them, even in those bad in those bad spots. Go behind. Right. And you guys didn't drop your heads. You kept your heads up. You knew that you were outplaying them for the most part, just gotten a bit unlucky. And you obviously swept them off the field in the second half. So uh, it's probably I feel like this is the start to a trend from the rest of the top six where Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham Maybe even Liverpool from time to time. Like you guys are probably closer to Man City than you are to the rest of us. But we're all going to struggle when we go away from home against the other big sides. Like we're just—it's oh, yeah. just, going to be really tough for us. Like the home games, you should be winning those home games because when Tottenham go away to Arsenal or when they go away to some other big teams, it's going to be—it's going to be a struggle for sure. It remains to be seen if United are going to be a difficult away fixture this season. They've been giving away points there to the big six, so we'll see. We'll see about that one uh, just tomorrow. Tottenham. Yeah. All right, let's jump over to the last game of the day, which uh, had the most memorable ending. Uh, Liverpool's one 0 victory over Everton, thanks to Divock Origi. Let me uh, let me start this game, start this review by saying what a game. We've talked about how Everton are clearly on the rise under Marco Silva, and this was definitely. Um, I called that. I mean, we've we've all talked about it. we've talked about it. In, well, no, in I just, no, 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 I just thought it would prediction. be like a very close, hard game for you guys. You know, oh, I, yes, I thought yes. like Everton would keep it defensively solid, which they did. They they like mostly shut down Salah and Mane. Uh, for me, well, Mane, had a, have Mane had a lot of chances. Mane had a lot of chances and Mane did not too, bring right. his shooty boots. He did not bring, bring his boots. Yeah, at all. Mane, like, Mane had a few chances that. Ugh. You know, was just straight up not good. Yeah, no, he was he was not great. Uh, he came, uh, but credit to Klopp, like he made a lot Divock more Arini. changes <laughs> in this game than he has in a while for Liverpool. He brings off Shakiri in the seventy first. He brought off Salah in the seventy fifth when they were looking for a goal, and it just didn't look like Salah was going to find the goal that day. And brings off Firmino in the eighty fourth minute for the, you know they had already brought on Daniel Sturridge, they had already brought on uh, Naby Keita, and then they bring on Divock Origi, who most Liverpool fans frankly have forgotten about a guy who was on loan last year at Wolfsburg and didn't do a whole lot of anything and he was pretty all, good I mean, the, for you guys a couple years ago it's the funny thing is he, uh, the funny thing he is he so was re- he was really good a couple years ago and the game that ended that run was a Merseyside derby when Funes Mori cleated him and screwed up his ankle and then he didn't oh, come back wow, for the rest okay. of the season I remember he, so, he and Klopp like, even like mentioned six straight that. games or something right he was playing yeah, super well Klopp even mentioned that going on, he was like, remember what this team did to you. And he's like, I've never forgotten. And so for him to get the winner was awesome. Yeah, that's but good the, for the, him. But credit to the back line, too, uh, because Everton did have a chance. They had a, a, a chance cleared off the goal line by Joe Gomez. While we weren't really like able to create a ton of great chances, neither was Everton. Richarlison was basically like on the ground half the game, which was very reminiscent of the PSG game in the middle of the week. But I, you know, what I was really happy with Gilfie Sigurdsson didn't do anything bad against Liverpool. I've had plenty of bad games dealing with that guy, especially when he was at Swansea with those free kicks. And also, I think Fabinho had his best Liverpool game yesterday on on Sunday. He was he was dominant in the midfield, won a ton of tackles, was was playing the ball well. And for him to play in that in that position in this game with no Jordan Henderson to come off the bench, which I know Klopp would have preferred, in particular for a derby game of this type of intensity, I was really really happy to see that we're you know because I know people. 
people have taken shots at Fabinho saying that oh like he, you know he might go back to, he might go back to Ligon go to PSG like he may leave because he's not getting the opportunities which is all bullshit but I, I was very pleased with his performance but to have Divacari uh, like but let's let's talk about that final goal here because Jordan Pickford has been getting a ton of praise post World Cup not just from the English fan, but in particular from the Everton fan, talking about how he's better than Kepa, he's better than Allison, he's he's on level with David De Gea. You know what mistake none of those three guys would have made? The exact mistake that Jordan Pickford made. If you're going to go for that ball, you've got to put we, both hands through it and really put it quick? over the line. He's better than you've Leno, get- he's better than Allison, he's as good as David De Gea. Don't, don't, don't put Kepa in that. Get out of here, Andrew. Yeah, don't, see, I would take see, Andrew, he thought Alex of Kepa before he thought of Leno. <laughs> I didn't even. I, honestly, like an eighty. Like, please. I would rather. I would rather have. I'd rather have Jordan Pickford than Kepa. Or no, not the Kepa. I'd rather have Jordan Pickford than Leno. Take it to the bank. Boo yeah. Um, oh, but no. But he no. was. I don't want to turn this into who's the, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, because I have the best one. It's not. It's not a big deal. Um, wow, Ederson says differently. It's, it's yeah. It's uh, Allison or Ederson. Our, it's neck and neck. It, our our goal line different our our, our uh, goals allowed says differently Javier, um but Shakiri had a one on one chance with Pickford early in the game makes a huge stop but to just make that kind of mistake in that moment is I, you you know you hope the kid doesn't have a carious moment now where he doesn't like He'll go and just let this affect well, him I, week I don't, after week I don't week. think it's that big of a deal for Everton I mean they played well they'll obviously be disappointed they didn't get a point but they'll they'll they didn't they'll necessarily know a f- create a ton of chances either. I mean okay like, but also like the ref like I actually it was the 94th minute with 30 seconds and Everton were in the corner and I actually turned off my like but the program because I thought I was like oh Everton are in the corner the ref needs to blow the whistle right now I don't understand well, yeah, why the ref didn't be, like let you guys never, play on take that free kick there were, keep going and like play on another minute extra into extra time which didn't make any sense because of all players Adrisa Ganagay was like milking out an injury towards the end of the game and sh- and then and then Sadio Mane comes over to him to be like come on dude let, let's finish this game right. and like gives him like come a on, little brush on the head <laughs> and which was hilarious but one last thing before we sign off so I thought when that goal went in that the game was just going to be over because they were at like six minutes of stoppage time by that point. There were only four minutes added. I was like, that that has to be the end of it. Like, well, they had to have time to get Klopp off the field, you know. Well, and that's the thing everyone was like talking about, like, oh, like how dare Jurgen Klopp run on the field to celebrate? And I was like, okay, first of all, like how many times have we seen Mourinho do this? We saw Mourinho throw water bottles. I've never seen a manager run to the middle of the field and celebrate with the goal. Fine, I've I've never never seen that, that. but we've seen them on the pitch before. Or what what about what about Pep Guardiola and and uh, Southampton with Nathan Redmond last year? That like, was after the game. I, I don't care about Klopp, but so many people were like, how dare Jurgen Klopp disrespect the game like this? Like, he ran out and hugged his fucking goalkeeper. Like, no, this game think, is a game he of just take the, he should just he, he should just do what he's already done and accept the penalty for it. He Yeah, he's going to he get said, a fine. He's, he's it's not a big be, deal. He already agreed to the fine and everything, and... They'll move on. It's, it's it's not a big deal. I had I had more people talking about that than the banana peel thrown at uh, Aubameyang and talking yeah. about the the homophobic chance at the Huddersfield game. I had more people talk about Jurgen Klopp running onto the midfield to hug his goalkeeper after a dramatic win in in a in a local derby. Ah, so the like English let's got their priorities let's, straight. Let's let's rewind a little bit and uh, let's maybe be a little bit more concerned about what's going on in the other games. Um, and that is where we wrap up this this recap. But before we sign off for the night, 
we're gonna we're gonna give you a good old fashioned uh, a year one year two version of Ghost Goal. We're gonna talk about the previews because boys, we got midweek games. We got games tomorrow. We got games Wednesday, and then we're back to our Saturday Sunday slate. What a time! Yeah, nice what? little nice little double pod here. Double pod, what, what? two in one pod. Premier League just doesn't mess around as soon as December hits. They're like double game weeks. This is our Black Friday weekend, uh, Black Friday, like post Black Friday weekend special. Uh, They definitely didn't do it with an American audience in mind. Let's let's be real here. So here we go. Uh, It's ours. We got a podcast. Not not there. Yeah. Yes. Here we go. We got a whole bunch of previews to do. We'll start Tuesday, 245. You got Bournemouth taking on Huddersfield. I'm going to take one nil for Bournemouth. Alex. Uh, I've got three one Bournemouth. Javier? I got 2-1 Bournemouth. I had 2-1 originally, and I just thought that there's no way that Huddersfield is going to score on the road, so that's me. Uh, Brighton taking a Crystal Palace. Give me a 1-1 draw. Give me 2-1 Brighton at home in the M25 or M5 derby. It's just the weirdest derby in Premier League. I have 1-0 Brighton. Um, where are Palace getting goals? There doesn't seem like they have any. Hey, man, I don't know if you watched Palace recently, but uh, they may not be scoring a lot of goals, but they got a lot of clean sheets. Yeah, so, uh so they might only. This could be a nil nil. This could be the nil nil. This this does have this does have a nil nil stinker on its uh, on its radar. West Ham taking on Cardiff City. I'm gonna take a two two draw. Wow. Maybe the uh, wow. maybe the Bluebirds can keep up this little run of good form. Cardiff can Callum score goals Patterson away from home. Sol Allegedly get a draw over there. Crazy win for Cardiff. We last week. We obviously don't have time to talk about yeah, it. That was pretty crazy, crazy win. I have three one West Ham. Uh, I'm buying what Felipe Anderson is selling right now. Yeah, I have two nil West Ham and the same. It kind of interesting. Chicharito started, got a brace. He he might be a factor from now on. It looks like that front three of Arnautovic, Felipe Anderson, Chicharito. Not bad. Not a bad front three if if they can if they can start scoring some goals. Pretty good on FIFA too, by the way. Uh, let's jump over to the last game of the Tuesday slate, the one that will be on television. That is Watford at Manchester City. I'm going to take a clean 3-0, easy as you like, Manchester City victory at Watford. I'm going 4-0 because, as I said to you guys before the pod started, they won 6-0 at Vicarage Road last year. Yeah, I've got uh, – I think they might get a goal. Delafoe's been playing pretty well, so I got 4-1. Yeah, I, I would like th- – we, we could break – break this down a little bit more but i really don't think that there much there's much to do i know that there's a couple injuries for manchester city but there's yeah, no yeah, way the it's thing, also tough the with th- the rotation it's yeah like, the it's only thing that i want to mention is just like we're not sure who's going to be starting this game like of sterling sane aguero jesus the latest of, news on aguero the latest news on aguero is basically that the doctors told pep before the game that like he's not hurt but he has a risk of getting hurt, and if he gets hurt from this injury, he'll be out for six weeks. So they yes. basically just didn't take the risk. Now, Pep's saying that he doesn't know like if Aguero's going to be available for this game. Like A lot of times, Pep does play mind games like this, so it might just be that Aguero's fine, he's going to play. But at the same time, I mean, they've got big games coming up, so I could totally see Aguero just not playing again, and him either starting Sterling up front or Sané or, I mean... Jesus again. Uh, hot take. You want a hot take? Manchester City are going to be just fine if Sergio Aguero is unavailable for this game. They're going to be, they're going to be just fine. I agree. I don't even care if he's not starting. I'm still going 4-0. <laughs> All righty. And let's jump over to Wednesday. Uh, you get, let's do the picks real quick before we dig into the other games. Uh, Everton taking on Newcastle. I'll give a 2-1 win to the Toffees. I'll say a 1-1 draw. 
I want to say one more thing about that city game. Actually, is that a lot of times for these midweek games, when there's three games in a week, it's usually the midweek games that suffer in terms of like quality and like amount of goals. So it's I'd just agree. like what I remember from like you know pr- always watching the Premier League. It's just like when there's so many fixtures back to back to back, a lot of the times the midweek games don't have as many goals as you'd think if this was a weekend game. But yeah. Um, I have that's why I actually have two nil Liverpool because you know normally if you guys might beat them three or four nil but you know you just played well, a few we're days on, ago. Stop, we're, stop, on, we're on Everton stop, Newcastle. Horse be- yeah, yeah, we're on Everton Newcastle. Oh, whoops! You're you're putting the horse horse before the cart. Not 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 listening. Wow, I didn't realize we skipped. Okay. Uh, yeah, I said we're gonna come back to it after we do ooh, the picks Everton, real quick. That's, that's why I said one two nil. one one nil Everton. This should be okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Fulham Leicester. I'm going to take a one nil victory for Leicester, who faced their uh, old manager for the first time since uh, the the Premier League. Claudio. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm going to say one one. Javier, what do you have? I got two two. I think this will be a this will be a fun one. All right, and so that leads us with the remaining teams of the uh, the top six. So let's start with uh, Burnley Liverpool. Uh, big news about this game is that both Andy Robertson and Sadio Mane are potentially expected to miss this game. Robertson has a slight knock, and I know Sadio Mane picked up some sort of cut on his foot that was like really painful for him to play the last 20 minutes of the derby. So you're talking about both of them being absent. In terms of Mane missing out, you're probably looking at them just returning to the traditional 4-3-3 and just inserting Naby Keita into midfield and putting Firmino back up top and shifting Shakiri out to the left. But the Andy Robertson one is another question. Maybe Klopp decides to screw around with the formation and bring in James Milner to 4-3-3 nah. or as a wing back. You know that's or, not happening. Please no Moreno. Alberto Moreno. I'm Alberto Moreno. <laughs> if Moreno but, starts, you guys might be in trouble. There I know, might be a Burnley I, goal in there. I know. Uh, there, luckily, this might they be two one Liverpool. If, if Mourinho starts, I'm going to say two one Liverpool. I, I get well, to I get to put an asterisk in there. Nah, no, no, you're not getting an asterisk. Oh, nope, right. that's that's a no. Nope. It's a good try. Uh, I still think Liverpool shouldn't struggle with this. I do think that the best thing about this game is that this is going to. I think you're going to again see. You had Jordan Henderson rested because of a red card. He'll be right back into this lineup. You'll probably see Nabi Keita in this lineup. This is just going to give. A couple guys, most likely, you'll probably see Dayon Lovren in this lineup, and maybe you even see Nathaniel Klein. I don't, I mean, Burnley haven't been really, pro, really good this year. They've taken a lot of L's. I expect Liverpool to win this one. It might not be pretty. They're going to be really desperate. Know. Burnley are going to be really desperate this game. They've conceded the second most goals in the league behind Fulham. Yeah, that's not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> uh, anybody else got anything to say that on this one before I move on? Javier? Yeah. Did you give right. your prediction yet? Because I feel like yeah, I haven't given mine. You said 2-0? No. Okay, I think yeah. I have 1-0. Uh, you guys should go all-out attack on them because they're ripe for the taking, uh, just like we did and City did a couple weeks ago. Uh, but you guys seem pretty committed to this defensive, safe approach. So I'm going to say 1-0 Liverpool. Yeah, uh, let's jump over to Wolves-Chelsea. Uh, let's remember that che- that Wolves have been very good at home, in particular against top teams. Um, they drew with Manchester City at home. Um, they drew with Manchester United away. They did lose to Spurs. But we know that the Den is, quote-unquote, a tough place to play. So, Alex, how do you feel? A little worried about this one. Uh, going away from home in our current goal scoring form is never uh, super confident uh, for for us. But uh, I think Chelsea get a, a two one win. There's a slight doubt about whether Hazard starts this one. At least I personally feel slightly in doubt about it. 
I feel like Sarri would be perfectly happy to play William on the left wing instead and have Pedro on the right and Morata central like we did in the Burnley game a few weeks ago. And uh, maybe bring in Hazard for the last 30 minutes if the, the game is still in the balance with uh, with that much time left. Uh, so th- there's a whole bunch of question marks. We haven't seen Maurizio Sarri uh, have to rotate for league games yet this season. Uh, the only times we've had midweek games have been League Cup and Europa League. And I feel like those are slightly less important than a midweek away game in the Premier League against Wolves. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, sets Chelsea up to try and get three points because that Manchester City game at home is looming very large this weekend. And yeah, you guys aren't going to win that. Just give that up. Play your full team. Play Eden. I would I rest think the Eden hope on is the for weekend. a draw in that, to I be would honest. rest <laughs> Eden on the weekend and play William Pedro and like try and outwork Manchester City. But I would 100% start him in this midweek game. Eden has not scored in his last seven games. Well, I mean, got, let's just face it. Eden's not, there, not but... playing the home game against Manchester City. That's just not happening. So, okay, <laughs> like, so then why Eden's playing all three up? games. I, I, don't, I think there's like no way Eden doesn't start this game. It reeks of troll. It's like, oh, but, yes, you just not care about the Man City game. Just take your hiding and move on to the next one. Like, that's I not going to happen. You're not going to draw. You're not going to get a draw. So, I just, I don't, okay. I don't know. You're not, you don't, don't have any hope, Alex. You don't say. have any hope for that. We'll all. We'll wait for the preview, Javier. Oh, wait for we'll, Thursday's we'll preview. We'll talk about that a lot more on the preview. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there soon. What do you have for this uh, Chelsea Wolves game? But I actually, I got 2 0 Chelsea. I think that Wolves are just, they're on really bad form. I think that continues. I think, uh, Nuno Espiritu Santo, whatever the hell his name is. Um, Espiritu Santo, yeah. He's, uh, I don't think he's learning his lessons. I think that he keeps starting the same lineup. He, he did try, like, switching one of his wingbacks, but he doesn't rotate his team. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of keep trying to use the same formation when it's he's you're fully losing. committed to it he said just before the They're season so he, was, in love with he it. was never going to leave the 3-4-3 maybe, maybe don't change the formation but changing some of the personnel I don't know I, if this is the same exact lineup the only thing that Wolves can do all year they might struggle like they're going to keep dropping down and down in the table and um, yeah I mean they have played really well they did start you know it seems like Wolves do play to the level of their opposition so it seems like when they play these bad teams, they actually struggle. But when they play against good teams, they like tend to level up and play to that to that level. But I don't think it's going to happen this game. I think Chelsea get get a pretty easy two 0 win. That whole playing to the level of the competition is exactly why I'm going one one. Yeah, no, it's I'm, it's I'm, very. I'm taking uh, it. I it's that's not it's, a bad not a bad look. Chelsea Wolves at the Den. I feel like this has led to some pretty. Uh, pretty bloody battles in the past both on and off the pitch i, I feel and like you're mixing us up with you guys <laughs> it's fair uh but i'm gonna take one one i think i think wolves might be able to just hold chelsea back and frustrate them and like like alex even talked about the the ability to score goals we'll see what happens but i'm i'm gonna throw my luck in for a one one let's go to the biggest game of the day which is the easy one to talk about manchester united taking on arsenal this is at three o'clock we talked about it earlier in the pod this is a big game for Mourinho. And not that this is this is a huge game for Arsenal because they need to continue to be pushing for one of those top spots, but uh, this is Mourinho against a side that he is historically very good against and an Arsenal team that is playing some kind of way. And can they go to what is historically a ground that they haven't done well at and take points? I'll let Javier kick it off here. How are you feeling about this, uh, this game here midweek? Well... I felt pretty confident last year going into Old Trafford, and 
that was probably the most frustrating game I, re- I remember as an Arsenal supporter because we had something like four expected goals and we only scored one goal and they had like one expected goal and they scored three. So it, it was like the, one of the most bizarre games I've ever seen where we just peppered the, their goal. Are you talking about the home game? No, that the, was the away. Emirates? That was at Old Trafford. The, did they oh, beat sorry. You? That was at the Emirates. Oh, yeah, that was at right. the Emirates. We, did well, we draw I, I don't. Re- I don't remember the game. It was Wenger's last game at Old Trafford. So I, like, I remember when it happened. It was late in the season. But personally, I don't remember like what the outcome was. I, I'm guessing a draw or something like that. It, I don't remember it being a memorable game. Let's say that much. But obviously, well, a good I amount think of that this game then. is going to be maybe a similar game where United sit back, let us have the line share possession. I mean, Tottenham tried to have more possession than us last week, but. By the end of the, I mean, in the first half, it was pretty even. But it seems like teams can't compete with Arsenal in the second half of games. So uh, I think that maybe United have you know a good thirty-minute spell or twenty-minute spell in the first half, and they might score a goal or two on us. Probably one. They haven't really had uh, too many goals in them. And if we start with uh, playing a five at the back again, I just I, I don't think that United score. There's no way they score two goals on us. You know, they probably get one. Um, but I think in the second half, inevitably, when we bring on the players that we're going to bring on, um, whether it's, you know, it will be Gwendouzi and Ramsey or if Lacazette's on the bench, if we ha- if we bring him on, I-, I think it's just going to be too much for United. So I normally would not think that we could win at Old Trafford, but this is um, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new era for Arsenal. And we are 19 unbeaten um, with, you know, 15 wins and four draws. So. And this United team is is shit this year. So I think if there's one year we're going to be beating the Metal Trafford, it's it's right now. And I think that Mourinho's comments um, after that Southampton game, saying something along the lines of, you know, Pogba is vile. He's a lazy. Um, you know and, that's not his comments, right? You know that was <laughs> that was from an anonymous source that like heard him say something like that, or basically like described what they thought Mourinho's feelings were after no, the Southampton like, game. No, apparently Mourinho he was just trashing, said that they, they were terrible. He was trashing him in the dressing room. Passes in midfield. Yeah, yeah he but, was trashing Pogba in the dressing are, room, like to his face. Like, you can't like, like, like you can't okay, present like, that like it was a quote after the game. <laughs> you know, just like, because you read it on Reddit didn't mean it happened in real life, guys. Look, it definitely happened. I I think that like. You could see the body language on the field. I mean, every single time that United lost the ball, Pogba would just like sulk, put his head down, not run. Like that was Southampton you- away. Man United, I, I, they don't have too many great performances against the other big sides this uh, this year. But I feel like they do kind of raise their level when they play uh, at home versus well, a big no, six for the other before the other big sides. Like they obviously got the two two draw at Stamford Bridge that they only really need to play well for like thirty minutes in to get a couple of goals, uh, and, and they were able to. I mean, they it was a disappointing game because they got out of there with a, a a point rather than three right at the end. Uh, they played well for the large stretches of the Tottenham game at home earlier this season, and then yeah, but we're better than Chelsea apart. and Tottenham. So, so I mean, this yeah. is this is a this is a, this is another level for them to be. All, you know? all, I mean, have, or Andrew, you set it up with Arsenal coming into this game playing so well. It's one fucking game. 
they won one game. They have one good performance for 90 right. minutes. Right, and then the other 18 games the that we haven't lost this in. Season. Right? We haven't the lost games, the first two games of the season. They've played like garbage for like 60 minutes of those of the rest of their games. They're like they're they're not okay, but say like, Arsenal are okay, good but that form. That doesn't okay, but that doesn't change and, that we've and hold won 15 on, and hold games. On. They what? took they. <laughs> They took points against Liverpool at home. They didn't do it at Anfield. They did it at home. This is a this is still a big challenge for Emery. This is this, this is, is going right. to we, Okay, I, like I agree. I mean, I think if we I can get a I'm win here, I mean, win. then I'm not then you really got to start looking at Arsenal differently. But I think it, I, I I I really do think that this is this if there's a chance for us to get a win ever against a Manchester United team at Old Trafford, it's now. And that's why I would agree with that, <laughs> and that's why you're going to draw. The Arsenal would have right. fucked it up, Alex. Remember a couple years ago when Not they were starting anymore. a 17-year-old Marcus Rashford and he right. scored twice against you? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. People forget. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm cautious. That's why I'm saying 2-1 and not 2-0. Like, my, that, like the back of my mind really one, thinks one. we might beat them, but it, it, it's... Like Pereira might come on and have, like, a master class against three, you. One. Yeah, <laughs> Fellaini will probably get a goal, you know? I'm saying 2-2. Two, two. You got there. It's going to be frustrating for both of you. I feel like you're going to have a bunch of chances, both teams, and both mess up a bunch of them. But still, I mean, we do. We do need to look at the fact that United don't know how to score goals. Back. They're not scoring as many goals as us. Like they, who's they have half as many goals United, as us. Though? In the, they have a negative one goal difference. You really think that they're going to score two goals on us? I'm, I'm look. If they score two goals on us, we're probably going to score three or four. So, oh, they'll score a goal. They'll score a goal on you. Right, score you're one. not finishing this game with a clean sheet. There's but no way. That's but. that's not the conversation I'm having here. The conversation I'm just saying is that statistically and like on the pa- on paper and looking at looking at it injury wise, you probably say Arsenal were the favorite, even though this is at United. You're talking about a United team that has one healthy center back in their early in their their game on Sunday or that Saturday. Could, that could just be Mourinho preparing for this Arsenal game or making sure that uh, a couple of players. Are I don't ready think. To play. I, I don't. What think does that you even can, mean? You got to beat Southampton before he's you prepare for the Arsenal game, Especially coming off, especially coming like, off a come draw. On, Alex, this is ridiculous. I'm not That's justifying ridiculous. it. I'm just trying. I'm just saying, Mourinho probably thought he'd get away with playing McTominay next to Jones in uh, <laughs> center back oh, against Southampton. God, I hope they do that and again. He I was hope wrong. they start that like that Fellaini McTominay Herrera midfield again. Like, all right, all right. Let's jump over to the last game. Did you uh, give your Alex, prediction? I said one one. Mine was two two. Okay, yeah, I, I think Javier's I two one. Yeah, uh, Tottenham Southampton last game Wednesday three o'clock. All the good games kind of on Wednesday, but that makes sense based on the schedule. We couldn't play all the uh, derby teams that on uh, on Tuesday. Tottenham Southampton. I think this is pretty cut and dry. Southampton fired Mark David uh, Mark Hughes, and uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to go to Spurs and get any kind of result. I'm going to take Spurs two nil. I've got two nil also. I have three uh, nil Tottenham. Yeah, I think it's pretty cut and dry. I it's think very cut and they dry. Have a, they have a caretaker manager. Uh, it seems like they kind of fired Mark Hughes with no plan, which, I mean, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of, but maybe they're just trying to make the job being like open, being like, guys, the job's open. We fired him. Please, someone come save us. I, I don't know. David he, Moyes he, was already sitting in their uh, in their lobby yikes. with his resume printed out, ready right. to just be like, like, "Hey I'm guys, ready to save I'm you. available. <laughs> I'm here, boys." Yikes! I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Hey, um, we haven't given we haven't given our like pick of who we think might be the next Southampton manager. Hassan Huttle. This, this should Peter be Bosch. a good game, this, or this should be a good gig. Peter like, Bosch is available. That's Peter Bosch the, wouldn't pe- be a people bad are option. throwing people are throwing his hat, um, his name in the. Uh, in the in the hat. Well, the one that's been seriously considered from outside of 
from outside of the Premier League was uh, who I just mentioned, Hassan Huttel, from uh, who coached RB Leipzig for the last two years. Okay. Uh, I mean, that would go along with the trend that they had back when they were successful. Fire nice, like cool, like young up and coming managers. Yeah, yeah. With forward thinking ideas. They had Pochettino, right. Komen, got the best out, got a lot out of those two managers before they moved on to bigger things. Uh, Hassan Huddle, Huddle would be great. Uh, I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if they went safe and went like Big Sam or <laughs> David Moyes. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like maybe, maybe that's they, not what they need right now, right? It feels like maybe they, they might just need someone grab to. One of the, yeah. Maybe you grab a big Sam or a Moyes to keep you up, hypothetically, and then you sign one of those guys to like a six-month bumper deal, and then you have Hassan Hoodle waiting in the wings. But like, They should have done that with Mark Hughes instead of hiring him full-time in the first place. Yeah, that was a terrible decision. Um, all right, that wraps it up. Um, I'm Andrew Passaro, Alex Moss, Javier Revelo. Follow us on Twitter at Andrew Passaro at ASMOS92. And where that's both of our Instagrams, JavierRev9 for Javier, at Ghost Goal Pod, putting up memes and stuff there on a more regular basis. So check those out. Um, and like and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'll have a recap and preview pod for the weekend because we got another big weekend ahead of us. So um, until next time, see ya.